If you wish to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ dying for people's sins, here's a recommendation. Don't begin your conversation by arguing with people that they're not good. Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. Or to discover about our radio ministry and our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Because people are made in the image of a good God, they frequently conduct themselves in ways that express the innate goodness God has given to them. Just as God is love and God is just, and so people give and receive love and also have rudimentary ideas and expressions of justice, so people are made in the image of God, basically, in this way, good. Don't deny it. But then explain to them that this is not the point at which their destiny is set. It's not their basic goodness, but their basic sin sickness that God must address. People saw a madman and a lunatic. The child saw something godlike, something good and wonderful, someone who was willing to risk his life to confront bad people, to bring an advantage to his child. This is something we can't miss. People won't miss it. They'll take note of it in their own life. They'll bring to mind events and manners and expressions in which they know they've done something good and they want to do good things. They'll have stories to tell from their own lives or stories to tell of their forebearers and their family members and the good things and the wonderful things and the sacrifices they made. And the fact is today, one of the reasons that we don't like all this protest that's going on in our nation is because we know that there's something good about our past and there's something good in our nation. And we know there have been good people who have done good things to bring us to this place. And it's proper and it's honorable to recognize the goodness in others. And so let me say this again. Naaman was a good man. And he was recognized by the people of his nation as being a good man. Here's the second point. Naaman was also a leper. Naaman was also a leper. Leprosy was a sickness that got into the flesh. It ate away at a person and went down into the nerves. A person with leprosy could have their flesh begin to waste and rot away. There was no cure for it except for a miraculous purging or cleansing that took place divinely that took the leprosy out of a person's system. That's how they understood it. It began quietly enough as maybe just a little red blemish or a red rash, but eventually if it was leprosy, it would expand and it would grow. It would become highly contagious. Although it started slowly, it would progress until it would eat away at the cartilage in your nose and in your body, and so your nose would wear away to nothing. Your fingers could become stubs. Your toes could become stubs. It would thicken the vocal cords in your voice so your voice was dark and raspy. It could lead to blindness. It basically brought about a slow death, and actually it was called, it was considered the walking death. Leprosy was considered the walking death. In Israel, a person with leprosy was required to be removed from the community in which they lived, and when they were walking about, they had to identify themselves before others as unclean so they would avoid them. This we can read about all the way back in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 13, 45 and 46, this is what we read. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. I had to wear a mask. Unclean, unclean. 
And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean, and he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Leprosy to the Israelite was a visual lesson of the impact of sin in an individual's life. A child could be ushered away by her, his or her parent from the path of a leopard, and then the parent might turn to that child and teach that child the manner in which sin defiles them and brings judgment upon them. Like the disease itself, sin might only make a mild mark on you at first, but slowly and insidiously it eats away at you, taking you into death. It moves from the outside inward, destroying your nerves and your sensitivities to those things that will bring destruction upon your life. Your sin will make you dangerous and infectious to others. And before God, it renders you unclean as all the goodness that you attribute to yourself becomes infected with the contagion of sin. So it banishes you from God's presence and it drives you out alone and away from Him. Naaman was a Syrian and in his society, obviously they had a different approach to leprosy than they did among the Jewish society. He could still be in a position of power and influence in his nation, but the lesson remains. The powerful and the mighty and those who establish their goodness before others may still be plagued with leprosy. They may still be carrying about on their bodies adorned and hidden under the covering of their respectability and even their goodness, a walking death. The distortions of the disease will be at work eating away at them all the while and going out from them good as they may seem is an infection that comes upon those with whom they come in contact with. Naaman was a good man. Naaman was a leper. Here's a third thing. No accounting of Naaman's goodness changed the nature of his leprosy. Didn't matter how good he was. Didn't matter how great he was, how honorable he was. It didn't change the nature of his leprosy one bit. It didn't change its destructive impact on his life. It didn't change the destruction it would bring upon others who would be infected by the same disease. No accounting of your goodness will change the nature of your sin. No accounting of your goodness will change the nature of your sin. The, the question is not whether you're a good person, whether you do good or don't do good, or whether you've brought advantage to others or not. The reality is not one of us would be here except for the goodness of somebody else. We wouldn't be here if our mothers hadn't been somewhat good to us, if our fathers hadn't provided some goodness to us. It doesn't matter how faulty they were. It doesn't matter how broken they were. We're here because of the goodness and the advantages that other people brought to us because they were made in God's image. They were made with an instinct to be good and bring advantage. And it's something that God has endowed in his creation, in his creature. But that's not the question, whether you've done good or not. The question is whether you're a sinner or not. The question is not whether you're good or not. The question is whether you've got leprosy or not. Are you free from your sin? Have you been cleansed from its defilement, its contagion? Are you free to come into the company of a holy God who hates your sin? Have you been delivered from the walking death of your sin? That's the question. You can do good, you can express basic goodness and still be a leper. And this is the defining thing that you'll realize about yourself when you come in the presence of holy God. And not only that, this is what will define your future. No matter how good you are, no matter what good you've done, the thing that will mark your future and your destiny will be the disease that you carry about with yourself person can love his wife, he can work to bring every advantage to her in the community, he can love his children, he can work to provide for their needs, teach them manners, provide a good education for them, 
Make sure they have the best clothes and the best diet possible to keep them healthy, and it's all good. It's all expression of his goodness, all expression of seeking the advantage of others. At the same time, the same person can be cooking the books at work. He can be gossiping and backbiting, and he can be destroying people's lives with his attitudes and his actions and his words. So you read about all the tributes to Naaman and all the things that we might credit or account to his life. But the word that sticks with us is this, but a leper. God has actually given a last word for humankind apart from his saving power. In fact, it's this last word that requires and makes us need his saving power. And that is that all men are dead in the trespasses and sin. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, uh, Paul is speaking to those who have come into salvation through Jesus Christ, and he describes their past estate. Just for a moment, let's read it as if it is the present estate of men, or he's speaking to men who are not yet saved. Then he would say, you are dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you walk and follow the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom you live in the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of your body and your mind, and are by nature children of wrath, just like everyone else. You're dead. You're a walking death. The Hebrew Scriptures are teaching us lessons, lessons that corrected a person's own arguments and thoughts about himself. A person can say, well, I'm a sinner, I do some things that are not always right, but basically I'm a good person. The Bible answers, well, you may be basically a good person and do good things, but you're also a leprous sinner. You're a walking infection of sin that brings you into death and will bring death upon those you're in contact with. Your sin banishes you from God's throne and the place of his unending worship, and there is no cure, humanly speaking, for your disease. You may be an upstanding citizen and recognized by all as a person of influence and a tribute to your own community, and yet under all of it, in the end, you're just a leper walking about in death. You're separated from God in your sin. You're moving into an endless separation from Him, and your leper state has left you highly infectious to all of those around you, good as you are. Here's the fourth thing I want you to see here. It's actually kind of encouraging if you'll understand it. Elisha had instructions for a leper. Naaman goes to Elisha. He rolls up with his chariots and with his servants and with all the wealth that he wants to pour upon him. He rolls up regaled with all of the accoutrements of a man who has been recognized as great and honorable and good in his nation and powerful in his nation. And Elisha doesn't even go out to meet him. He stays inside. He sends somebody out with a message to him. Elisha doesn't go out to give honor to Naaman. He doesn't go out to meet him and see this good and great and valiant man. He doesn't go out to see this man that God has done sovereignly great things through for the nation of Syria. It doesn't concern Elisha at all. Elisha sends out instructions to a leper. He encounters him as a leper. Let me just say this. The gospel encounters us not in our goodness. It has nothing to account for us. It has nothing to give us in our good states and in the things that we do that are good. The gospel encounters us in our sin. What does it say in verses 9 and 10? Let's read it again. Of chapter 5 of 2 Kings. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a message to a messenger to him saying, 
Go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. Elisha has nothing to offer in account of the goodness that is in Naaman. He sends his instruction to wash and be made well and clean in the water of the Jordan and his instructions are for a leper. God's good news is not for good men and good women but for leprous and sinful men and women. These God would bathe in the cleansing water of his grace and forgiveness. These he will cleanse from the to the bone defilements of sin. This salvation comes to them as they confess their sin and their need of him. Jesus spoke about this mission in his own life, this healing, this rescuing, this saving mission. Jesus references in such a way that we would recognize that he is what we call our great physician. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, he declares the same reality that we see expressed as Elisha encounters Naaman. There the Lord Jesus says in Mark 2, 17, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We might say it another way, I haven't come here on a mission to elevate good people. I've come here to rescue people who are lost in their sin and overcome with their disease. Until you or anyone else is ready to meet Jesus on those grounds, you'll remain in your sickness, in your sin, unforgiven, and facing his judgment. But Christ came for sinners such as us. Praise him. This has been the Bread of Life. Thanks for listening in. To learn more about our ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org or traincpe.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.